Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. My name is Liam, I'm the owner of PH Nutrition and I am delighted to be joined by Coach Harriet and Coach Bex today. With the topic being fat loss, probably a little bit bored of people talking about fat loss in January, but we're here to hopefully make it a little bit more practical. We're going to talk about why people get so confused about fat loss, we're going to talk about some common mistakes, and then what we're going to do is provide you with some guidance, some real easy, simple take-homes. You can be like, cool, I know exactly what I should be doing, and hopefully this is going to be super helpful. Now, this isn't a finger-pointing exercise. We're not here to call you out. We're not here to be like, wait, stop doing this, but it's more about some of the things that we commonly see with our clients. So hopefully, we're going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a good podcast for, for a lot of people. So let's get into it. And, and maybe a good place to start is uh, losing weight and losing fat and actually how they're probably not the same things, but these terms often get interchangeably used. So Bex, just, just maybe kind of dive in and explain the difference and what we actually want. Yeah, so your your weight is your total body weight. So this will include fat mass, but also will include muscle mass and water weight as well. So if you take weight loss, this may be a loss of water weight, muscle mass, fat mass. Whereas if we're looking at fat loss, we know this is specifically a reduction in body fat, which Mm. is what we want. Because if you're, you know, someone looking to change your body composition and go for that leaner, more defined look, then we want to retain as much muscle mass as possible and focus more specifically on a reduction in fat mass yeah that's absolutely but that, that's great and and often when people go on to diets they you know they might search weight loss and they might think that they want weight loss and that can sometimes happen pretty quickly can't it like mm-hmm. we can lose weight but then like as you said it doesn't necessarily carry over into actually losing fat and this is probably soon when people go into low carb diets right like they're not they're not yeah. losing fat in the first two days Yeah, and it's also why I always say don't get caught up on the number on the scale because it doesn't actually take that all into account. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So look, now now we kind of set the scene. We want to lose fat. 
okay and at the end we'll, we'll talk about some some simple strategies to be able to make sure that you're doing the most that you can to achieve that but confusion so now we've you know we've kind of got one of the main reasons out of the way fat loss and weight loss have you talk to us about look why why people get so confused about what to do uh, you know to lose to lose fat well, I think we can start off by saying there's a lot of voices within the nutrition and fitness industry giving lots of different opinions and different suggestions. And some of them can be oversimplifying things or some of them can quite simply be overcomplicating things as well. So it can be really difficult for us as like people who are wanting to improve our performance or, as we said, lose fat to really quite understand what we should be starting off with. But I think, you know, one thing to consider is keeping it super simple to begin with. There's nothing necessarily too complex about fat loss at the beginning stages when you're just trying to set the fundamentals and the basics in. So just making sure we understand what the foundations of the fundamentals is, is so important and something we're going to be talking about in a moment when it comes to the basics. But yeah, overcomplication or too, too simple, like calories in versus calorie, calories out, although that has a place, there are some additional aspects that we also need to consider as well. Yeah, I think anyone that's on social media would see the that these two camps are often, you know, kind of thrown in front of our faces or just get into a calorie deficit or eat less, move more. You know, that these are really, really simplified messages. And, and look, inherently, they're correct, you know, like, but it's the actual implementation of these that's that's the challenging thing. And and as you go along that scale, one of the biggest things that you know, one of our fat, like our, our kind of big principles with fat loss is simplification. It's making it e- easy for people to can you know commit to something and, and and continue to to follow it. And this is where I see like sometimes people are like, oh, you need carb cycling, you need high days, you need low days, you need to be you know fasting on these days, including these foods on these days. Like that's that's for me, I think probably more of an issue at the moment with with diets in terms of people trying to find or, or promote the secret that they have this new method of something and, and they just get overly complicated. And I think that that is a huge area that contributes to people's confusion is to be like, well, I, I can't do this because I've got to think about something every single day or every single hour. And, you know, that's, that's where you know, our, our thing is about principles over methods. So we work on, we work on trying to find a method that works for that person. Inherently, fat loss works on a few kind of key principles. So, look, Bex, what other things in terms of like if we actually find something that works for someone, like how do we go through the process of of doing that to try and remove that confusion? I think you know you have to you have to always go back to why. I think if you, you've got to know why you are doing it in the first place, I think for a lot of people too, you get caught up in seeing all this marketing, all this stuff on social media, new products, new plans, all of this stuff. But you actually need to know why you want to lose body fat. And if you know, if that is actually the goal anyway, uh, and then you can, yeah, you've got to know the why before you dive into anything, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think this is definitely something that we work on, isn't it? Like people come to us with like goals of, I want to lose weight, I want to lose fat. And actually, once you guys get into the the creation of the plans and you get into, you know, messaging people, it's figuring out that actually, you know, it's more performance related, it's more health related, it's it's different things. And and once, like you say, you can delve, delve into that, I think that's a really powerful thing. But it's hard for people to do that isn't it? And probably another reason why it's confusing is, 
is figuring out exactly what you want is tough. This is why for me, uh, when we work with people, it's about it's about personalization, 100%. But when people are trying to set a goal, I think you need to have a direction. This is my opinion. You need to have a direction of where you want to go. But setting like a 10, I want to lose 10 kilos in two months, three months, whatever. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a good goal. I think it's like you, you want to maybe you want to lose weight so you can do X, right? So this would be a goal. You put the target on it, you put, you know, something that's that's tangible. I want to lose weight so I can do more pull-ups and be better at gymnastics. That's a good, for me, that's a, that's a kind of good goal. Because if you go, I want to lose 10 kilos to do this, what happens if you get the five kilos and you feel amazing? You know, you're not going to give yourself that pat on the back. You're not going to, you're not going to reward yourself. You're probably going to then do more damage by trying to get to this goal that you set at the start. Whereas actually, you could probably just, get to five kilos, feel amazing and start to get stronger and, you know, continue, continue your journey. So again, I think probably another reason why people get confused is, is goal setting. It's probably like you say, not figuring out the why at the start. So superb. That's, that's a really good point. Uh, on that too, you know, a lot of people get fixated on numbers and, oh, but I was X weight in the past. I want to get back to X weight, yeah. Well, you know, and you have to just remind yourself that, you are you now you're not you 10 years ago and as we age that all has an effect too so yeah it gets damn harder i'll tell you that <laughs> it gets a lot harder it's also something that that maybe you've seen as well where people who have been previously quite lean quite like light even they have this real battle psychologically to be like i want to get back to that leanness and actually if they got even you know halfway towards that and actually they're looking great and feeling great and whatever there's something in it that they want to get back to this like there's a you know, that, that say that previous ideal image or you know that number even that they've they previously been to and it's that's a really tough thing to break isn't it um sure. so let's get into some of the common mistakes and as i said at the start this isn't finger pointing i like to highlight these for people because i think Rather than uh, people getting confused and overwhelmed of starting something, overhauling something or going on to a reset or whatever, sometimes, you know, going through these can often be a really nice thing to go, ah, oh, do you know what? <laughs> I am doing that. I, I, you know, this is the small change that I need to make just to help me get back on track, uh, maintain progress or, you know, like say, see some, see some results. So, so Harriet, hit us with hit us with one of the common mistakes that you see with your clients. All right. One of my most common, let's say, mistakes that I get my clients or I see my clients doing is things like liquid calories or just not tracking their liquid calories. So obviously, if you're someone like myself who drinks maybe two or three coffees a day and have X amount of milk in it, every kind of, you know, every every food and every liquid we consume apart from water has calories in it. So it will be adding up and it will be slowly like totaling up. And before you know it, you could be consuming an extra like 300 to 500 calories a day, especially if you're going for like the milkier coffees, for example. But the same goes for things like smoothies as well, like smoothies, although are really good as like a pre-workout snack, they provide lots of good, like fast release carbs for us. They often can really like, add up in regards to the calories as well. So it's really important that not only we are tracking our solids, and our foods but alongside that just making sure that we're mindful and we're we're holding ourselves accountable for the liquids we might be consuming throughout the day because 300 calories every single day that we're not consu or not considering can actually add up pretty quickly and often unalign with the fat loss goals that you're trying to achieve mm. yeah i think you made a good point there not tracking it 
I think that's something that, that if you are tracking calories, it's definitely something to look at. And the thing is, is with liquid calories, the, the smaller your calorie uh, amount that you're following, again, th- this, has a ma- this has a bigger impact. So, you know, if you're having a latte or, or a cappuccino or you're having a medium coffee with milk, with sugars, with sweeteners or whatever, like you say, if your calorie load is, if your calorie target is maybe 1,600, 1,700, 1,800, again, th- this has a big impact. If your calorie target when you're trying to gain muscle is 2,500, 3,000, again, th- there's, there's less of an impact. But when we're trying to lose fat, for me, this is something that has a real impact. So uh, I think it's uh, a really good place to start because I think it's an easy swap. That's why I like to highlight it because I'm like, there are other options. You know, there are, if you're having whole milk, then go to skim milk or go to black coffee or go to tea. You know, don't have, you know, you can use sugar-free sweeteners if you, if you really love the, you know, sugar. Like there are options that are slightly better that are going to help you with calorie intake so definitely a good place to start for me Um, and it's also something again like just to highlight you don't need to do this every day do you know what i mean like you can if you dropped if you were eating 1500 calories 300 calories a day from liquid nutrition that can come coffees or whatever if you just removed three days four days and enjoyed you know your flat white or enjoyed your cappuccino or whatever on certain days then you're gonna make a dent you know if you then you zoomed out and looked at across the month you know up 3,000 calories, 4,000 calories potentially, you know, across the months. And, and it's just by having, making those small changes. So, yeah, good point. Uh, next one, you got one for us? <clears throat> just on uh, liquid calories, alcohol as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think that. if anything, it's, it's like the education side of it too. Like a lot of people really don't understand you know how many calories you'll find in alcoholic drinks Mm. and then when you think about it they're not providing you you know they're not filling you up they're not actually providing you with nutrients it's just you're having them alongside a meal or you know on a big night out and for a lot of people they forget about those so it's just you know keeping it in mind not to say remove anything yes you can make some better choices and swaps here and there but don't get to the end of the week and think, oh, it'd be amazing. I hit my targets every day and then go, well, why is there nothing happening? And then realizing actually you've been out Friday night, Saturday night, then yeah. had a glass of wine with your Sunday roast. Yeah. Just those are all going to add up. And and as you said there, that's that's a common, that's a common thing. We're not talking about drink, people drinking in the week. That's a common thing. A little glass of wine. You know, I went to the cinema Friday night and had a large glass of wine and I'm like, if I had that, like I said, I had that a long time, my meal, I had a beer beforehand, and I'm like, well, that's <laughs> potentially close to 400 calories. Do you know what I mean? Like, again, if my goal is to lose weight, if this consistently happens, that's going to impact your progress. And this is the thing, like, if you build it into your week, if you're aware of it, like I said, if you're aware of it, then it's totally, you can factor it in. Often the cases, people are not. One thing that I've found that is swapping, like, alcohol, sorry, calories and alcohol, the alcoholic, non-alcoholic beers that have come around probably more, more for, for those kind of heavier beer drinkers is that it's like a third of the calories, like, you know, in, in it. It's crazy the the difference in those. Uh, and there's, there's some really, really good ones at the moment. So, again, if you're talking about it, like, if you're going out regularly, and for me, I'm like, sometimes it's not essential to drink, but you want that kind of, like, I don't want to have five Diet Cokes, so I don't want to just drink water. 
like including these in can again impact if you have to socialize for work if you have to go to client meetings it's that type of small change that can that can make a real difference so yeah re really good really good point but like i say if you can if you're not seeing progress this is probably where you need to to be honest with yourself so yeah good, good point and i think too it's, it's knowing that i have this conversation quite frequently with with clients is that it's knowing that you don't have to drink alcohol if you're at like you say a work event or a social situation and you genuinely are really trying to make better choices mm -hmm. and be healthier and you don't really want to drink don't feel like you have to because you don't no one's gonna judge you for making that choice yeah but you've got to own it haven't you from the start that's what i found exactly. if you own it from the start no one no one if you if you go ah well uh, yeah you know and you're kind of there you just do you know what I mean? Like then people kind of get on and then there's a bit of peer pressure, but if you just own it and like you say, then you, you'll feel empowered. Definitely. Especially like during it. And then the next day, you know, definitely. I haven't really drunk through Belle's pregnancy really at all. Like I'm not a big drinker these days anyway, but like it's something now you just, it becomes the norm. Once you get past that initial barrier, like you don't necessarily like say, think about it as much as you kind of used to. So good stuff mm, exactly. um, you mentioned there about sunday roasts and and adding extras like eating too much on weekends bex do you see that as something that people commonly yeah, very very common weekends but i think the biggest reason why we see this is because people's structure or routine typically is so different when you get to a saturday sunday mm. um, so, and so, for example like it's quite common to go for brunch and then or like a mid-afternoon roast and then you kind of it throws your usual meal structure out the window yeah. but I think where you can even though it's the weekend and you might not be as strict with your routine still keep your meal structure in place just Definitely. because you're not going into work or into the office or doesn't mean you just throw your your whole meal structure out the window still stick to your you know, three meals a day, four meals a day, whatever you're doing, instruction snaps, yep. still have all of that in place. And it's going to make it so much easier to control your food choices across the weekend. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good point. And it's something that people don't plan in. Like again, we're really good at planning in the week. We're really good at planning around our work. We're really good at, you know, structuring nutrition, you know, Monday to Thursday, Monday to Friday. So that's the key thing. It, it's really essential because if you don't do it, if you're not aware, I find that when you get to that evening, like say if you had a roast at 3 p.m., like what are you doing at 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m.? You've got to have a little bit of, you know, thought going to it. That's the key and the key thing. So I say don't deviate too much from what you what's working in the week. I think that's a really good point. So don't be a Monday to Thursday dieter as well. Like that's one something that we often say is like it can be really good, but, you know, just because you've been good doesn't mean that you then can't be good and treat yourself for three days. That's like, do you know what I mean? I think that's like 40% of your week. It's not 40%. I know people are going to message, but roughly. So yeah, really good points there. Mentioned snacking there. Harriet, snacking. It's just an absolute slippery slope, isn't it? Some people get it right. Some people get it wrong. So that's probably one of the, the areas that come with mistakes. Yeah, well, first off, we all love to snack. Who doesn't love a snack? But as you said, there is an opportunity here in a window where we might be snacking maybe too much or maybe not snacking on the right type of foods as well. So again, we'll talk about it a little later, but really trying to prioritize the foods that are going to help us feel fuller. So things like protein, for example, 
and also focusing on like nutrient dense foods and, and micronutrients. So things like plants, so getting your fruits and vegetables in and your snacks as well. But it often comes to the case where if we're not eating regularly, so as Bex was saying, like not having your four or five meal a day structure, whatever you're eating, this could lead to overindulging and maybe secret snacking, as I like to call it, you know, across the day. And that's something we want to, again, be mindful of, Definitely. like be aware when you're tracking of the secret snacking or of all the snacks that you're consuming and also be aware of the composition of them as well and how they're going to be impacting perhaps things like your sugar levels or your mood, your feelings, your performance as well. But uh, yeah, certainly something to consider as a like very small building block to building better habits. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we say snacks can make or break your plan. Like say people don't use them correctly. I think they're a powerful thing if we get them right um, to manage hunger to support performance, support recovery. And also for me, big thing for me is not not then over consuming in my main meals. Like that's what I think is a big thing for me. Like if I get snacking correct, like I feel good. Then I get to my evening meals and I feel ready to eat as opposed to going, wow, I haven't eaten that much. And then I will probably, you know, over consume by two or three times the, the calories that would have been in a snack you know, in my main meal or I will finish my meal and then feel like I need to, you know, have something else. So yeah, snacking is making or breaking. Bex, I think you're like probably the head of snacking at PH. Like if we <laughs> had an office, I think we would be looking to you to be like, what's happening in the snack cupboard? Um, <laughs> how do you structure yours? Like well, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. How do you make it work for yourself and, and with your clients? I am super passionate about snacking. <laughs> I love, love, love this topic. Uh, but it's true. I think, as you say, it's make or break. Like, you don't want large gaps between meals. So, obviously, you know, you take lunch to dinner is typically your largest gap. We don't want that big gap because, yes, you're going to get to 5, 6 p.m. and be ravenous and you'll either start grazing you'll just pick at whatever's there or you'll start cooking your dinner and then you're picking at the same time so by actually structuring that snack in mid-afternoon it will prevent that evening grazing and as you say you'll get to dinner and you'll be ready for dinner you won't be like absolutely ravenous you know and same goes for on the weekend I think a lot of people probably think oh, I'm going out for dinner so I don't need to eat all afternoon to save my calories for dinner where actually I say to people, still stick to your structure, still have that afternoon snack, because then you're going to turn up to dinner, ready for a nice meal, not turning up to dinner like, I could eat the whole menu, yeah. give me starter, give me sides, give me everything, yeah. and then likely overindulge more than you would have anyways. Yeah, I think planning those snacks, making them balanced snacks. So obviously, unless we're talking kind of training wise and performance, where we're typically looking at your high carb snacks, and making them a nice, well balanced, looking at our protein, carbs, fats. Yeah. So they are going to fill you up and they are going to get you through till your next meal. Exactly that. I think I think the balance is the key. You know, often like say carbs, snacks can be very high carb, even if we're not thinking about training. You know, it's... It's an essential thing to try to distribute that protein and getting it in. So I think that's some really good points. I think also it's finding a structure of snacking that works for you. Like you said, be, if you're being proactive with it, but sometimes if you're eating late, like I, I think there's a there's a hesitation for people. If it's not 3 p.m. or around that time, people don't want to snack. I'm like, it's completely fine to snack at 5 p.m. 
completely fine. Mm. Like, but I, I see people go, well, it's 5 p.m. I'm going to eat dinner soon. You're probably not going to eat dinner for another two and a half hours. You know, like, mm. so it's completely fine to have that. And again, what will happen, as you said, then it kind of probably goes into my next point is mindless eating. You then get home and you're having hummus, you're having olives, you're having snacks, you're having crisps, you're having this, you're, you know, you're snacking whilst you're cooking. And, and then, like you say, that's not like, like kind of Harriet said earlier, it's not accounted for. We don't put that in, you know, we don't, we don't account, you know, uh, account for that in, in our daily intakes. And I think that's a key thing for snacking. So being proactive, having some structure, having some balance, I think is good. And look, like I said, they're mindless eating, you know, is, is a really key thing. I think is a common fault. This takes honesty. This is what I see. This takes you to go, actually, yeah, I do do that. And it's really challenging to, to try and, you know, kind of come away with it. Being a parent, often people would come to me and say, look, yeah, it's finishing the kids' food. Or it's like, you know, doing that. I'll tell you what, you need my son around your house. Because I am actually probably put on a diet. Because he finishes his food and then wants mine. And he's trying to eat mine. <laughs> and I'm like batting him off. I have to eat like so quick now like just to try and finish before him um so yeah finn will come around and probably help you with your fat loss diet because you'd eat everything so uh, it's it's away from parenting i think it's like eating watching telly driving eating when you're cooking any other areas that you kind of maybe see people who are mindlessly eating but snacking portion control with the share bags and stuff like that maybe I think a very common one that, you know, everyone could put their hand up and say, when you're taking peanut butter out of the jar or Nutella out of the jar, you are licking that spoon. And you might not think it's that heaped. That Mine's up. always a heaped teaspoon as well. Right? But that adds up. And I mean, on that as well, Liam, as you just say, a heaped teaspoon, like, you know, a teaspoon is very different in mold yeah depending what you're kind of wet measuring out it will be very different to what you think yeah um and sometimes you actually have to weigh out five grams to see what an actual teaspoon of whatever that is mm. looks like because yeah, you know it, it's not the end of the world but if you're looking to lose drop some fat that could be your kind of little sneaky place of sneaky calories. calories yeah sneaky calories and, and for me I, th I think people can be like oh you guys are talking about like such little things like you know it, 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 these tiny little things that doesn't matter if i do that well if you're not seeing progress then would you rather make that one small change or would you rather go oh well, i'm not seeing progress i'm going to sign up to something completely different and have to do all of this re you know weird and wonderful new diet kind of thing so no like this is the reason why we're highlighting it because actually if you are eating peanut butter once or twice a day if you did that like Beck said and made the actual conscious effort to make the portion control correct then that would probably compound and then you would see progress and you wouldn't have to then pay anybody or do anything else new so this is the reason why i think it's good highlighting these uh, and look the, the last thing for me was portion control harriet like how how would the do you see some people just struggle? Is that that's a common thing that we see people, you know, come to us with a with a with an issue with portion control, correct? Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's probably one of the like I say primary places that I like to start, and it doesn't necessarily require you to be tracking macros or anything, but actually just understanding like visually what your plate's looking like and whether or not that's appropriate to your kind of fat loss goals or whatever goal it might be. But 
when I start working with a client, I'm like, start taking pictures of your foods, like send them into the chat and we can look at them together and we'll review them together. And, yeah. you know, the more they do that, the more consciously aware they become of actually, is this appropriate? And what we do alongside that is then provide things like portion control guides. So like using you know, really good tools like your hand just to measure out like what, you know, how much should I be having of carbohydrates? How much should I be having of protein? Like really small, but very effective measurements and tools just to help you kickstart that process. I think, as you mentioned, a lot of people feel like they need to jump on this huge, like revolutionary diet, but actually like focus on those small things. Like, are you eating too much carbohydrates or are you not having enough protein? Like, let's compare the small stuff first before you then start drastically Mm -hmm. changing your entire diet and lifestyle. And often, as I said, the place where we start is portion control and it really helps them just build a better understanding and be more mindful of the choices they're making at home, but also at restaurants. Cause that is the problem areas when you're yeah. going out to eat, you don't get to decide what portion is served to you. However, you can then decide it once it's been placed out in front of you, but when it gets served to you, that's up to the restaurant and whoever's cooking it. And often mm. I think, you know, numerous studies have shown that the portion sizes and the portion control in restaurants exceeds what the typical individual let's say would need Mm. i think i think you probably hit on a really good point there about restaurants as well like eating out common consistently is a is a is a real barrier to consistent weight loss for me or maybe if you've lost weight uh, how to maintain um is is they say just really challenging if you are eating out all of the time because restaurants don't care about your body fat they just want them they want the, the food to taste nice so even if you think that you're, if you've ever seen a chef cook a steak or a lean chicken breast, like it is not grilled with nothing on it. It has got sauces and sugars and butter coming out of it because they want it to taste nicer. Even if it looks like it's the, the, the healthier option and it is a better option, probably like choosing these more, you know, like say better foods like grilled, baked, whatever, but they're still going to be much higher in calories more calorie dense than than what you would be in at home so it's challenging you know people always ask us about eating out don't they like how how do i manage it look inherently you, you've got to limit it as much as possible mm-hmm. if you want to make progress like or if you're struggling to see progress that's what i would say like if you if you're seeing progress then you've got the balance correct happy days but if you're not then might be something to to look into yeah, uh, I was cool. going to say Fantastic. another thing on that. Oh, I was going to say another thing on that as well, Liam, is people having that kind of like all or nothing approach when it comes to going onto, let's say, like a nutrition plan where they feel like if they go into social events, like they they always can't do it because it would ruin their entire progress. But in fact, I guess within PH Nutrition, we really try to aim to make sure that we are creating and curating a lifestyle where you can enjoy yourself and have those social occasions. But I think people 100%. tend to often forget that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It has to be like you know, it has to be like one of our things is if a diet's you know too confusing, you won't start. But if it's too restrictive, you won't continue. So mm-hmm. this is it. Like we want you to be able to continue. Yes, we've got six week programs. Yes, we've got bespoke coaching, which is a more longer term program. Can be, but beyond the six weeks, like we still want to educate people to be able to have the strategies to be able to live their lives and not have to pay us, you know, for three hundred and sixty five days a year. Like it's. It's definitely something that you can do. You just need to have the awareness and, and hopefully podcasts like this and the advice that we're given is, is what we want to do. We want to raise that awareness so you can make better informed decisions. So, cool. Great.
Great stuff. Look, well, let's get into some practical advice. Look, for me, the fundamentals of fat loss, like whatever anyone says, whatever any guru says or person in really, really good shape tells you, like the fundamental principle of fat loss is to be in a calorie deficit. How you achieve that, like again, that method should be personalized to you so it can be sustainable and it can be achievable in your lifestyle. Bex, you mentioned one of the other big kind of pillars of uh, fat loss is to make sure that we're holding on to as much muscle mass as possible. Give us a bit of detail in terms of how we advise people to do that. Of course. So uh, I think firstly, we've ta- you just touched on education. I think, you know, the biggest thing is actually understanding rather than just looking for that quick fix, rather than just finding that first first person that's selling some fat loss plan or whatever make sure you're actually you know learning about food and understanding your body what your body needs because that is the key to long-term success if you're just doing something really quickly and you're seeing that really quick you know quick results but then you don't actually understand what to do from there you're not going to keep that weight off Uh, so it's it's looking you know, at the understanding the the why and for long term. Mm. Now, yeah, we touched on at the start, obviously, weight loss versus fat loss want to retain muscle mass. Most people that want to lose body fat really just want to have that more defined, leaner look. And muscles are obviously going to be so key for that. So we need to make sure that we're not losing weight for muscle mass. We're retaining our muscle mass as much as possible. So therefore, when the, when you lose the body fat, the muscles are there. And that's what's going to give you that nice defined look. So, yeah, I guess when you start out, you need to look at your current food intake, your current eating habits, your current movement, current, you know, mm-hmm. exercise and then start making those little changes from there. Mm. But yeah, protein's going to be so important to make sure that we are retaining some mass. Yeah, they're losing the right type of weight. That's, that's really good. They're, you just touched on it there. You said to start out looking at your current intake and making small changes to this. Why, why, why is this so important? I think this is, a, this is a big thing that often people miss. Because I think, you know, a lot of people just look to or oh, what do I need to remove or what, you know, what do I need to restrict? But actually just start really, it's coming back to really simple. Just look at what you're currently doing mm-hmm. and start making small little tweaks here and there. Cause again, that's going to be what's realistic and sustainable uh, and make it a lot simpler and easier for yeah. the long term. Yeah, definitely. Like that's a big thing that we focus on making small changes to your current intake because you've already built this structure. You've already, you already make these meals. You already have that, you know, like the, that you cultivated the skill of doing this as opposed to going, here's a ton of new recipes. Here's a weird structure that you've got to follow. Here's new ingredients. You've got to go and purchase in the supermarket and people just get overwhelmed. Whereas if we look at your current intake and go, look, this is why we, you know, we look at structure. This is why, because you're eating 1100 calories in your in dinner and you're eating 200 calories at your breakfast. Okay, well, make the same breakfast, just a little bit bigger and take a little bit of the the, the energy density out of your dinner. Okay, then all of a sudden you've already done, you know, 80% of the work because you've already cultivated the skill of cooking that recipe of making those choices. So, you know, inherently, I don't think people make bad food choices across the week all of the time. I think people put a little bit more, you know, emphasis on that. I think it's just these little small things. And like you said, small changes. It can really make a big effect. 
So that's a, definitely a big part of what we try to do um, with our with our plans of coaching. Um, because I think it's just changing those slight awareness and, and a little bit of behavior. And, and that's the big thing, isn't it, Harry? Like that behavior of doing stuff. And, and you talked about behavior change a lot with, with our clients and, and coaches and stuff. Like what, what are the behaviors that people can start to implement in terms of losing weight at the start, but also then trying to keep it off? There's a variety of things. I think if we're, again, like if we're specifically talking about losing fat and obviously Bex has touched upon, like obviously wanting to maintain muscle mass during this period, we can focus on, you know, initially, obviously knowing what we should be eating and how much, but then focusing more on the macronutrients. So for maintaining muscle, we want to make sure that we're having adequate proteins on kind of like our body weight. So typically we would say like times your body weight by two, and then that would be like a good starting point for your, your protein intake suggestion for the day. And protein's obviously yeah. good for many reasons. It can help obviously help build our muscles. It can help repair our muscles, but it's also very satiating. So it makes us feel fuller for longer. So really, really beneficial in the fat loss journey, if that's something that you're looking to achieve. Yeah, I think, and that's, like I said, two big pillars, eating the right amount of calories and, and consuming enough protein across the day, that distribution is really key. So making sure that it doesn't just have a bolus dose in the evening. So those two things, really essential. And for me, one of the, one of the things that we want to do is we don't want to just lose weight and then rebound. And like we've all touched on it across this thing it's this this is behavior we want to be focusing on cultivating these skills and like beck said like learning and educating yourself is is something that's so key like learning about food you know what makes you feel good what makes you feel like you want to snack 30 minutes later like this is individual nutrition is n equals one but there are some key fundamentals but it, it is that and it takes honesty. Like that's the big, it's a really kind of key thing to do. You've got to be honest with yourself. Are you making some of these common mistakes? But if you can, if you can kind of identify, you know, uh, where you're maybe overshooting your calories, if you're gaining fat, okay, or where you can drop some calories, if you're not, if you're maintaining your weight, okay, people often say to us, oh, I'm not losing weight. I said, I've been maintaining it. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, well, this is a good thing. If you found your maintenance calories, all we then need to do is make some small adjustments. And people get worried about this. Oh, I'm not losing weight. Well, you're not gaining weight. So if we can make some small changes, you're going to see progress. So that's a really, really positive thing because we can also go back to that once you've lost the weight. You can, we can slowly kind of come back up to this. The thing for me is that I think most people can lose weight, okay? Whether that's lose weight for 10 days, whether that's losing one kilo, whether it's losing 10 kilos, is sustaining it. It's the real tough part. And like Harriet said, maintaining protein intake to manage hunger levels. Like Beck said, educating yourself in terms of building some, some good skills around cooking and food and how to navigate social situations. Like these, these are things that we should be doing as an adult, you know, like if you want to maintain it, as opposed to just doing it for six weeks or 30 days and then repeating next january like we don't want you to be doing that so again i think i think there's a lot of confusion around it but hopefully this is there's um there's some some real nuggets that you can kind of take out of this Any, anything else you want to touch on girls i was just going to say on that i think you know one of the the best things i hear from clients we work with is that they actually learn about their own body mm. and i think you know, with all these fit, quick fix diets and fad diets, it's all one size fits all when we're not one size fits all. There is no, you know, 
one way of eating that's going to work the same for me as it would for you. Um, so actually just stopping and understanding your body, what your body needs, what portions, you know, we all need different portions. Yeah. So although a packet says one portion, two portions, yeah. that might be very yeah. different from me to That's you. a very good point. Um, is. Right? Yeah, very good point. So I think just under, like actually taking that time to educate yourself to, to know what is right for you and what's going to work for you as well because, mm. you know, something might be very, very different from one person to the other. Huh. The other thing... I just wanted to mention as well was movement. We obviously didn't really touch on movement yeah, when creating correct. a calorie deficit. And I just thought, because I see, I have seen it quite a lot with clients coming in on our six week <coughs> programs and I'm, you know, going through their intake form and they're saying I'm doing less than 5,000 steps a day and I'm doing one to two spin classes a week. And then I calculate their maintenance calories and it's much, much lower than I'd ever advise. Yeah. So actually, before you even look at your diet, yeah. the first thing I want you to do is just move more. Yeah. Just actually, you know, get yourself up moving around because it's not just always about reducing food intake. It's also you've got to look on both sides definitely. of increasing your movement as well. Yeah, definitely. I think I think we should do a podcast on it because I think it's a, it's a really a real area that maybe a short one in terms of you know practical strategies because I think there's a mismatch as well sometimes we see clients who put uh, how many steps do you do and there's there seems to be this thing sometimes when people just put 10,000 oh I do 10,000 yeah <laughs> and I had someone the other day someone's form come in and it was what's your commute because I work from home you know uh, all, like five days a week and then it was just like our training I drive to the gym and then she had 12 and a half thousand steps I was just like Look, I work from home and I'm sometimes could do 400. And I'm like, there's, unless you're somehow building in a, a, a morning commute around your block before you start work, which potentially it could be a really good strategy to do or walking at lunchtime. I was like, that's, that's really, I don't, I don't know how you're going to do that. But, um, but Bex, you're absolutely correct. Like consistently hitting a, you know, a, you know, movement goals is a really really key thing as opposed to putting your body through a stressful metcon or spin class you know just to try and lose weight i think that's a definitely a key thing obviously we focused a bit more on nutrition today but um but yeah that that is that's it's an easy thing to do it's a free thing to do as well which i always mm -hmm. say to people like you got to try and do it and build it in so really really good harry anything else you, you got on it you want any other nuggets you got to leave us with well, since you asked, I was just thinking about what you just said in, in regards to like, obviously, there's a lot of behaviours that we can implement. But actually, the question is, how do we implement them? And I was reading something, obviously, regarding behaviour change the other day, and it was talking about how if we can create more identity based habits, we're more likely to be successful. So like, when we want to create change, we want to try and identify ourselves as someone so if we're someone who wants to lose fat then that's our identity like we are someone who's either looking to lose fat or I'm someone who is looking to improve my health and then think about what goals and what habits can you implement that would be identifying with a person who is looking to lose fat so I think asking yourself a question like if someone is trying to lose fat what would they do 
asking those questions and then figuring out how you can implement them is more likely to be successful than just saying, I need to drink two liters of water because someone told me to like try and find the identity and then you are more likely to succeed in the outcome and the goal that you're trying to achieve. I just thought I'd put that little nugget in there because it's a good one. Yeah, very good. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's not as easy. It's not an easy thing. This whole nutrition game. Um, it's probably why we have jobs. And uh, we're here to try and, like you say, just cut through a little bit of the noise because there's a lot. There's a lot. Social media and, you know, advertising and, you know, the world and every everyone, everyone under the sun seems to have, an, you know, an opinion on nutrition or a recipe book or a plan that they 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 want you to follow so it's trying to like you say be honest trying to simplify things and, and give people and you know, like i said big part big, big pillar of what we do is education is to try and advise people on what to do but educate them give them the tools give them the resources to be able to kind of maintain that well beyond because look fat loss isn't 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 difficult you know like the science of it isn't isn't challenging but the psychology is the implementation of it is it's really challenging and 99% of the time it is in your genetics or your hormones it's probably down to consistency and being honest with yourself so hopefully this podcast has shed some light on some of the things so maybe you want to re-listen and highlight some of those common faults and be like yeah do you know what they go there right i need i need to make that change this week and that's it like like big said like just trying to make one one or two things implement that be honest with yourself and i guarantee it's so much easier than trying to think you know build up this importance on, on trying to then follow a, a, a big diet so look, that's our philosophy this is what we do with our with our coaching client and uh, you know and we've been pretty successful so if you are looking for a little bit of guidance then just don't reach, don't hesitate to reach out you can drop us a message email us go to the website you know any which way but bex harriet thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast listeners thank you so much for for tuning in and getting this far and we'll see you on the next episode see you guys hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official etf of the ncaa invesco qqq is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.